This is Comic Picks by the Glick. I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason. What's going on? Hey, John. Well, it's like we're following up on a, a podcast we did last year. It's like one like one of those about like one of like the biggest titles to come out like in recent years for a specific franchise. I'm talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And God knows, you know, it's like I've got a lot of affinity for them like growing up back in back in their heyday. And I've already already done one, you know, like podcast about like about their the recent comic resurgence through IDW. And then last year we did a podcast talking about, you know, like the big like the big TMNT um, publishing um, initiative, which was um, the last Ronin, which is based on a story that um, its creators, um, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, originally had, you know, like cooked up back in the day, and then they uh, finally, like, you know, put out over the course of um 20, 2021 and 20, 2022. So it, um, it's like, well, like, you know, before I, I don't get into about that because. Well, when I, whenever I talk about you know Ninja Turtles, I can't do it without talking about our other Ninja Turtles super fan here. That's Myron. Hey, Myron, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Jason? John, thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure, man. Glad to have like you know someone who's got your depth, depth and breadth of Ninja Turtles like knowledge to talk about talk about here. And uh, you you really liked um like the uh, last run in, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I think after we. After I read it and after we spoke about it, I think I kind of went in that Ninja Turtle fanboy kick where I bought a last Ronin figure and, uh, you know, started rewatching, you know, the, you know, 1990 Ninja Turtles movie. I mean, this does, that story did feel like a Kevin Eastman, Peter Liard, Liard storyline. Like it, it had that classic Ninja Turtle vibe to where, you know, it, it felt like, it almost felt like the darkness and despair of that first turtle turtles movie where like, you know, despite their efforts, like, you know, tragedy, tragedy hits the family. And, um, I was really surprised by it and, and kind of wanted more, but didn't know what to expect from more. And of course, you know, why we're here today is like, we got a little bit of that more and, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this part of the storyline. Yeah, because you know, like the uh, the last runner was a huge success for uh, both Ninja Turtles and IDW in general, to the point where it's kind of like you know, for a series that you know was meant to like show like you know what what is like the last Ninja Turtle story, well, it's like something that was that successful, you know, it's like you can't just like leave fallow. It's like, and you know, here we are with just you know like talking about you know like what what IDW has like you know brought up in this wake, and you know, it's like. Well, I know you really enjoyed it, Myron. It's like I, uh, I was kind of like you know just a little bit like let down by it. And so, you know, I, I went. It's like I can, I like to think I can appreciate a good dark, dark story where it just kind of shows you like you know what happens with everything that goes bad for, for everyone involved. But like the last run, just kind of felt like you know, like too like too dark for what I what I was expecting from like a like a final Ninja Turtle story, and. It's like, and while I can appreciate the fact that you know, hey, like that Michelangelo was like the last last turtle left left standing here. It's like, I just kind of felt that you know, it was all just like more concerned with just you know how how bad how how awful can things get get for him as he, uh, it's like as he's like you know the last turtle left left standing like left to carry out you know his um his father and his brothers like you know desires for 
what he believes are his father and his brother's desires for vengeance against the uh, the Oroku, like the Oroku clan. And also, it didn't help the fact that I think that the main villain for that for this arc, um, Oroku Hiroto, was really uh, kind of personality free. Just that he's like he's evil. It's like he's like the Shredder's grandson. Grr. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we needed someone who was just like, you know, had a bit more depth to him than what we got here. But I'm I'm clearly in the minority here. And uh it's like but and so like I know like, a lot of people really like this, and that's why we're not just getting the uh like a mini this mini series that flushes out, you know, what Michelangelo was up to um like prior to um the last the last run in, but also a proper last run in to um like miniseries, like that's been solicited for February of, of 2024. That being said, we've got um, the last run in the lost years um, from um, co-writers co um, Tom Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Eastman, everyone knows who he is. It's like, I don't need to tell you like his, 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 his significance of the franchise. Waltz is the guy who has been co-writing um, like Ninja Turtles comics all, all since like, you know, IDW got the, uh, like got the license. So and he's been doing a lot of good work there, and so you know, like I, uh, so when like his involvement here is is solid, but we've also got um, it's like let's see, we've like there are two main artists for like for this for the series. There's S. L. Gallant, who has done a lot of stuff with um with Larry Hama, um while while um on um GI Joe like a like a real American hero while IDW still have the license to that, and then there's Ben Bishop. Who also worked on, on the last Ronin as well, drawing um certain certain flashback sequences and like otherworldly sequences as well. But the whole point with the Lost Years, like the the core miniseries, like in this in this hardcover collection, is to let us know just what what happened to Michelangelo, like after, it's like you know between like you know, like like between like the de death of his um death of his family. And when we when he finally showed up again at the start of the last last Ronin, so, and uh, you know, it's like this this miniseries certainly explains that, but my God, it was really goddamn depressing. It's like it's mm -hmm. just I just kind of felt that it was like you know that Michelangelo just like kind of just has to like eat so much shit over the course of this miniseries miniseries to the point where it's like I. I, I was honestly just like more depressed than anything else. Just the fact that, you know, we kind of, like, it, it felt like while, like, while this, while this miniseries is like, does like respect the continuity established in the last, last Ronin. It also, it's like all the stuff that he, that he like, has to like endure, like between then and that miniseries is just kind of like really depressing more than anything else. Uh, this, that, that, that's how I, how I felt because we're told that, you know, after he's um after he escapes after, after he um you know leaves the uh the, the refuge of the Hamato clan he just like goes off to a uh like like to a mountain refuge in order to like you know get collect, collect himself and then just you know and then like some some bad dudes come up and just like hey here's a mutant let's go and beat him up and then you know they try they fail Michelangelo just you know kicks their ass and then when he goes to like find out who sent them to kill, kill who just like who's running this guy, they found out like, it's the someone known as the Death Worm. So 
so basically that kind of like shows you like the whole like thread for this uh like for this mini series like he's like michelangelo has to get his groove back he's got to like get back in fighting condition not just to off uh, to beat um oroko hiroto for what he did to his family but also to own um, defeat um the death worm and just like you know like show that you know he's got what it takes and that he's not just running away from this latest um like assault against his like his personal self so yeah yeah so if, if i if i could interject and kind of you know talk a little bit about the last ronin by what you said about the last ronin earlier and you know upon and, and leading into you know the lost years here um you know yeah the last ronin is very dark for ninja turtles storyline that you know we're accustomed to like you know back when peter uh back when peter liard and, and kevin eastman did their original ninja turtles run it, it's it's a lot more darker than what we were accustomed to seeing you know on on the cartoon you know version which was more lighthearted and comedy um and when you really dive into the comic book side of things i mean they take a lot from japanese like samurai and 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 you know um ninja type honor and codes and so this whole beef between the clans of hamato and oroku um you know like it, it it's all about honor and it's all about you know uh uh, uh revenge and so michelangelo being you know the the lighthearted slash youngest you know turtle that we know of the four like you know reading the lost years we can t like we dive more into like how he he doesn't necessarily feel built for this you know what i mean like you know raf is the bruiser donnie's the intelligent one leo's the leader but michelangelo always felt inefficient like i can't i can't live up to this he he felt like he couldn't live up to master splinter's expectations even though that's what they were trained on you know their whole lives and when we see him and when it's revealed to us in the last ronin that it's michelangelo as the last surviving turtle and we see a hardened we see a hardened ninja versus a pizza eating skateboarder dude you know character it, it, it is a shock and a twist like uh, of all turtles why did he survive and of course like throughout that book you know we see him do things and and live by codes and principles that we never really thought he could stick with and the lost years to me you know really dives into why he became like how he became more hardened why he is the way he is and the mental state that led him to the final battle with um uh uh, uh shredder's grandson in the hiroto in, in in the first book so i found it interesting how like yeah in the first book of uh last ronin we knew he he uh migrated to hokkaido kind of like to to just to kind of wander and 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 uh escape from everything but then during that time it's like well what did you do out there and we see that in this book and I kind of agree with you, like it is depressing for him, like to see him go through all this, all his troubles start in Hokkaido, where you see these guys with tattoos, you know, belonging to Death Worm's gang, you know, start to start to uh, harass him and try to kill him just because, you know, he's a mutant. And during that time in Hokkaido, he was just trying to 
recenter himself, like meditate and just kind of, you know, recollect on his thoughts on everything that has happened, what his next steps need to be. And of course, that violence is what kind of propelled him or drove him to, yeah, you need to continue this revenge or continue uh, this journey to honor our family. Like you chilling here in peace is not your destiny. Your destiny is to end this this strife between our clans. And so this this whole attack on him in Hokkaido sends him on this journey to where he swam to the mainland and found Master Yip, who is part of the Hamato clan. And he learned different techniques and different trainings. And upon his upon his finalization of this training, he's like, before you go and handle your family's business, you need to honor this code and in taking out death worm. And one thing that I loved about this book that I found most interesting is how his brothers were with, still with him through this whole, whole journey. And if you didn't read the last Ronin at first, you might read this and think like, oh, well, the spirit of his brothers are with him. And it's like, yeah, technically kind of, but I saw a more of his like his psyche being shattered because he felt so much guilt about everyone in his family dying except him. So it was almost like he was going crazy and his brothers were telling him how to do things. Like, hey, Mikey, like you got to do this because you, you made it. You made an oath with uh, Master Yip or hey, Mikey, you know, your training is wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're not doing this right. And I love throughout the whole book, like his brothers were just following him like psychologically and driving him crazy. And he was you, you found him speaking to himself and you know, just kind of going nuts, like, shut up. Like, I need that quiet. And so I love the fact that, you know, we see Mikey's journey from the incident in Hokkaido, leading him all the way to um, um, where, where did they end? It was in Rome, uh, all the way to Rome in the Colosseum, where he met up with Deathworm for that final confrontation. But every step of the way, he finds some type of friendship or family to bond with and is taken away from him which adds to his like, I guess I would say that added fuel to the fire for, you know, the revenge he needed to take out on, you know, Hiroto eventually. And so that's what I found interesting about this book is like, you know, started in Hokkaido. Then he found those. Um, um, then he went to like uh, somewhere. What did like Korea? The Unified yeah, Korean Republic. Yeah, he went to Korea and 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 had his journey there but then he found that camp somewhere in mongolia where he befriended that girl jarell uh well, yeah, like, he, like, he went to like he went to run through china which is like been like an irritated race wasteland because of a giant earthquake there and then yeah. like, he lost mm -hmm. he lost his sight and then he was like captured by the like that by that mongolian tribe mm -hmm. but then you know like he learned to like you know cope without his sight exactly so it's like he he met that tribe and he was blind then, but he learned different techniques, which made him better and stronger, you know, using his other senses. He made new friendships, which were eventually taken away from him. And then he gets taken by uh, this. Uh, he was forced to fight in the Thunderdome. Yeah, basically, like he was taken by this group where he became, you know, you know, in Thunderdome. And he met a friend there that eventually, you know, was taken away from him. And so, like, everybody he loved in his life has been taken away from him, which has just made him more of a bad and uh, a, a battle hardened turtle that we see in the last Ronin. Yeah. On one hand, it's like, 
yeah, it's like I, I see what you're saying about about his um about the idea that his that that you know, when his when his friend his fam his brothers are saying like you know that they're appearing in his mind and it's it's like his kind of like like maybe like his his personal like recrimination about that. like like they're not just like it's not that it's like his his brothers speaking him as themselves it's basically like they're they're basically like giving vo voice to his own guilt but mm -hmm. I guess what my issue with this is that I don't think the series quite um like gets that point across I get the feeling that you know they're they're still kind of, I don't think that Waltz and Eastman really kind of like sell this idea. It's like they're, I think they kind of also want to like sell the idea that, you know, Oh, it's his, that, that his brothers are still with him and they're still kind of urging him on. And, and like, but it still kind of feels just like, and then if that's the case, this is so feels really kind of depressing in the sense that, you know, like they're just kind of, like, you know, negging him at every single opportunity over mm -hmm. the course of the series. And, on one hand, it's like I, I mean, like I reread the last run in, and I know there's a point like towards the end where like Michelangelo just basically says, like, just leave me alone. And like that's the last time we hear from them. But at the same time, though, you know, seeing them play such a prominent role, like in this miniseries, it honestly kind of feels like they're trying to like have things both ways. Like just both both like you know, have the have um Raphael, Donatello, and Leonardo like be you know, characters in this story, but also just, you know, be voices of his guilt as well. And, and at the same time though, like they're, they're just like being overwhelmingly negative, like about like everything he does over the course of the series. And yeah. it's just, for me, it just kind of felt just really depressing. Like to like to see that as is the case, you know, where it's kind of like, you know, wherever Michelangelo goes, it's like, just, you know, tragedy is like not far behind in every single instance it's just kind of like wouldn't we just be fine if just you know he just like went to some place and people didn't die because because of his involvement you know so that's that that's that's kind of what got me about this it's like about about this follow-up just that just the fact that you know wherever he went it was just like you know like his brothers were nagging him on and bad things were happening he, like, even as he like you know got his old got his old skills back it's like and like, it, it just like you know just like I said, it was just like you know just depressing to like to read for like for for a good portion of this like like of this miniseries really yeah and, and and i can and i can see that too you know and 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 i see that point of view as well but i feel like even with that negging and that you know criticisms that his brothers gave him you know along the way like eventually that kind of stepped up his game and you know uh i feel like he overcame he overcame like what needed to be done um you know even though like yeah with the with the thunderdome you know storyline it's like yeah he he rose to the top uh he rose to the top you know fighting all the mutants until you know his last showdown was with his friend shaka and you know, Shaka, you know, saw the intent and and uh, you know honor and what he was trying to do to where, you know, he was willing to sacrifice himself in order to, for Michelangelo to complete his mission. And yeah, that was tragic in the sense of like, you know, like having another friend die. But then, you know, in that situation, that was like a killer be killed situation where if Shaka didn't do what he did, then you know, Michelangelo. 
would have had to kill him with his bare hands, which, you know, could have like damaged him even more. But at the same time, like, I feel like every step of the way, you know, as his brothers were nagging him, he was getting closer and closer to completing his honor, his, his honor obligation until like he eventually did. And so like, once he overcame that, at least for me as the reader, I felt like, all right, my son, you're ready. Like Michelangelo, you're ready. Like you did, you did all this and you had to go through this tragedy and, and now you're ready to take on Hiroto, which is, you know, your family's mission. And so I feel like, I feel like with our turtles, the turtles we grew up with, like, yeah, their, their end is supposed to be the tragedy and not so happy and depressing storyline. But with the new turtles that we are introduced into this storyline, you know, with uh, uh, um, uh, Odin and, and, and... Oh, we're getting, getting ahead of ourselves, though. Okay, okay, getting ahead of ourselves. But, you know, with, 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 the, with the new generation, that's where I feel like, okay, now there's, now there's hope to continue on, not with the initial... Not with the initial mission, which is, you know, vengeance against the uh, 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 Oroku clan. Now, now the mission is to protect, you know, protect the city, protect, protect the people. And so, um, yeah, I feel like at some point when you're telling a story about like the turtles we grew up with, like, you know, you have to come, you have to come up with some end for them, whether it's like a little bit more happy to where like, yeah, maybe they all died of old age and only one survives you know, to teach the new generation or it's that battle hardened, you know, ninja code where it's like, yeah, we've been, our clans have been fighting for hundreds of years and we've had tragic losses from both sides yet in the end, it's going to come down on one versus one. Who's, who's, who's philosophy and whose truth is going to overcome, you know, this war. And I feel like, the culmination of what happened in the last Ronin and all the background we got in, in uh, the lost years, like our, the Hamato clan's truth, you know, eventually came out on top. I get what you're saying for me though. It's like, yeah, it's like, it still felt really depressing. You know, the way they, they portrayed things here, just like, you know, that, that Mikey had just, you know, like constantly like endure suffering. Oh over yeah. The course, over the course of like this mini series. And it's like, I uh, was like I, I like I said I I was just hoping like for like for more like for more than that just you know like more than just like you know oh Mikey had to suffer like for all these like you know, for like a solid decade you know before he came back to uh, you know to take on her on Hiroto and the rest of the uh, like Oroku clan but mm-hmm. also I want to want to bring up like you know as far as like the whole this whole death worm subplot is like I uh, I mean I can kind of see what. Um, it's like what uh, Waltz and Eastman are going for with here. It's like in that, like uh, that um, Death Worm was just a guy who yeah. was, you know, like good at stuff. But I guess you know, like it, it kind of left me wondering, like you know, what if like you know he they just he had just been like you know one of the other like you know members of the Turtles Rogues Gallery, you know, like what if he had been like uh, what if he'd been like Bebop or Rocksteady, you know? It's like, what if he what if he been like, you know, the Rat King, or something like that? You know, just I guess like he's, I I, I was kind of I was honestly kind of expecting him to just be like, 
then like Rocky to get to like the like get to the death worm that then be told like oh no he there was no death worm at all he was just you know just some sort of like illusion he was just like you know like an idea more than anything else yeah i think that could have been way more interesting because like let's face it I, i will admit like by the time he got to death worm it was kind of like an underwhelming reveal because like even even mikey himself like you know when he fought the big dude he's like oh yeah this is the guy and then like he beat him easily like oh wait that was way too easy. And then when you see the actual death worm, it's like, yeah, who's this little, you know, who's this guy? And, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it would have been far more compelling if the death worm character was either, you know, a villain that we know well from the Turtles Rogue Gallery or an idea. Like, you know, yeah, Death Worm isn't a person. It's it's a collective that was established by, I don't know, Baxter Stockman or or, or <laughs> uh, you know who was still alive at this point. You know, you know prior to Last Ronin, something like that. Yeah, it's like I I think we're just like we're not saying that he had to be you know like someone from like the Turtles Rogues Gallery. It's just that you know the way he's like presented in like this miniseries just kind of felt like like he's just like really underwhelming for what he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I guess it's we're talking about like the the art for this series because it's basically handled by two two main artists, um, S.L. Gallant for the uh, for, like for the flashback sequences like involving Michelangelo's quest, and um, Ben Bishop for the uh, present day stuff involving the uh, like like a- like a- April Casey her daughter Casey and the uh, new generation of turtles as well because I I was like I I like I generally liked it I. Um, S.L. Gallant does solid work, even though I don't think he's quite on the level of um, Isao, Isao and Isaac Escorza, who did the majority of the art for um, The Last Ronin. Um, ben Bishop did do um, like some of the art for The Last Ronin, and he provides the uh, present-day sequences for the uh, like for this present generation of Turtles. And I, I like that a lot more, because he's got like a nice nice level of detail and texture texture to his to his work it's just something that just feels like a lot more like like invested in like the level of detail he's offering i can agree with that too because like when going through the book like i did like the artwork overall but i i did find myself like being more intrigued with um you know the artwork of the present day versus you know the the then time um a lot more detail and and coloring um and just kind of like a uh I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like there, there's like, there was like a little bit more edge to it where like, yeah, the, 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 the artwork in the past, you know, like Mikey storyline, like, yeah, there was a lot more like softer, softer line, like lines to me. And, you know, as far as like the other characters, aside from Michelangelo himself, just the other human characters and everything. And like, it, you know, it kind of reminded me more of like, I guess like a late '80s, early '90s style comic book, but I did like the artwork overall. Uh, don't get me wrong, and of course, like you, you can't mistake, you know, Eastman's artwork when he did like the Splinter Journal, you yes, know, Splinter Journals, and of course, like that that uh, Lost Day, uh, you know, the artwork in the Lost Day uh, storyline that you were telling me about. Like, I mean, that's unmistakable. But I have to say, like the artwork in the last Ronin itself was like way more grittier and edgier that, that I like uh, compared to this one. Yeah. I guess it bears talking about the, uh, 
it's like the the lost day special because um in the because uh, in the collection that we've got um like I know you like decided to reprint this really weirdly because while the lost years was a five issue miniseries um the lost day um was a one shot and well they uh apparently for for reasons that are unknown to me um in the collection IEW decided to re to put um the lost day one shot in between issues four and five of like the lot the lost years which okay I, I mean I can understand I can on one hand I can understand like them trying to you know like you know like maybe just like you know like save like the mate the dramatic like finish of the lost years you know for it's like you know for like your last experience like going out of this book but for me though um that didn't work because i think that um the lost day is like easily the, the best thing i've read from this whole last run in continuity of the turtles oh wow yeah it's like i mean it's it's not it doesn't have like a salt a like a uh, like a complex plot to it basically it's all about um april Getting the uh, this, this new generation of turtles, um, Odin, Yi, Moja, and, and Uno, like together with her as she goes out on 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 an un, un, unspecified um, mission of trade between various factions in in the city. Because while Casey is getting ready for a date between her and like some guy from the uh, police police force in the city, well, April and the turtles are going doing their own thing right here now. Well, it's, it seems very much like this is like setting up, you know, like stuff to be explored for future stories in this, like in this continuity. I honestly think it does it like pretty well because it basically like, you know, just shows you like a like April just like going around to like various people like the uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, like, tink, like Tinker, Tinker, Tinker two. 2. Yeah. Um, Jigsaw and um, those corrupt cops. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, and just showing you, just like, hey, just, you know, hey, we're like, we're not just like telling you like a big epic story here. We're just like, you know, just hey, like, like some person's got stuff. We got to go to them and get other stuff and get more stuff as well. And it's, and I think that they uh, tell, it's just, it's just fun just seeing them like go through and just like, you know, work together. It's like, in order, like, you know, to get, it's like, in order, like, you know, to get things from, like, from point A to point, point A to point B. It's like, and I think like the uh, like the back they do a good job of like world building in terms of, like you know setting up the various power factions you know for this um, like for this cur current era. I can't say it necessarily makes me eager to read future stories here, but it, it does like strike me as a, it's a fun day in the life story like for these like for these characters and something and it's it's not relentlessly grim like everything else has been in this continuity and that. That definitely counted for a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and until you brought it up to me, I didn't I didn't realize like that particular chapter in this uh, uh, trade, you know, this uh, hardcover uh, book was not part of the original like issue lineup, and uh, it, it did kind of break up the story. And I, and I did find it weird, like okay, like yeah, this whole chapter just focuses on the now time frame in, in the present, and um, you know, I guess it, I guess it kind of helped break it up a bit because as, as you read through this book, you know, like, yeah, it jumps from then to now and, uh, you know, from, you know, past to present day. And, yeah. so, and, and so like when we get to that chapter, 
it is a little bit more lighthearted because I, I loved, you know, going through this book and kind of seeing like getting getting acquainted with the different personalities of like the new generation of turtles. Cause it's like I see a little bit of Donatello in, in Moja, you know, like even though he's more of an asshole, I do see like a little bit of Leonardo and Raphael in Uno. Um, you know, yeah, Uno's a giant dick, really. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, and of course, like Odin is like the kind of meek, chubby one, and I see a little bit of more Michelangelo in him, and so it's like I see, I see like the personalities. We get to know the personalities of these new turtles, and you know, it's cute that you know they refer to you know April as Grammy April, and they reflect on Casey Jones being Grandpa and things like that. But to your point, when we see them go to the surface for Black Market Day, I feel like they're setting up characters in the storyline that, you know, we're going to become accustomed to as they continue on, especially like Tinker 2 and Jigsaw and, and the two cops. Because let's face it, like these four turtles are going to be like our four new heroes that are going to protect New York City. And I found it interesting how April kind of explained how the new way of the world works, like how he wrote to set up the the credit, like the um, like he set up a credit system that akin to me from uh, Black Mirror, like the um, the social the social credits, where like yeah, you have to be a certain you know social status in order to like buy and trade. But for those who live in the underground, they trade you know through stuff, you know through items, and it, and it was cool that their first stop was going to Tinker too. And trading Tommy Boy for um, crap. What was it? It was something that it was. A oh, it was needle. the needle. It was yeah, like it, the, the record needle. Yeah, it was the record needle that Jigsaw needed for his record player. And then they got donuts from Jigsaw that the cops wanted so that they can get fireworks in order to celebrate um, the commander's retirement from you know the uh, the you know the what was it the, 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 like, the it was like police force right or something something he, like that. He was, he wasn't the police force. He was he was part of that. He was part of the underground. He was a commander from the underground uh, that worked with April. Yeah, Commander uh, Avalon, like a former you, yeah. Marine and New York City cop. Correct. Yeah. So he was like he was like a former a former Marine, and he was part of the underground. Where like, yeah, they they they're the ones that work together to take down Baxter Stockman's uh, stronghold in in, in uh, Last Ronin. And it, so it was kind of cool, like, to not only see like how like commerce works for people who aren't part of like the main society but then we see the turtles like i, I call them teenage uh like pre-teenage mutant ninja turtles because mm. they're for you know they're they're really you know they're i guess they just turned 13 or 12 yeah. or they're about 12 at this point but no they're th okay they're teenagers because they're 13 because i remember odin was drinking the adult punch and one of the soldiers is like, you shouldn't be drinking that. That's not for kids. And he's like, I just turned 13. So, yeah, they're, teen they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now at this point. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see how these turtles are becoming acclimated and learning of the surface world and, and interacting with human beings. And, like, the humans are, you know, accepting of them from the, from the get-go, whereas the turtles we grew up with, you know, had to struggle with acceptance. So... You know, mut mutancy is like normal at this point. So um, I thought it was cool kind of like setting that up to what we can expect of a last Ronin continuation from these turtles. Okay. 
So, and also one thing I want to point out though is that the uh, the corrupt cops, um, Richard Miller and Frank Corbin, well, they're thinly veiled versions of um, Frank Miller and um, Richard and uh, and Richard, Richard Corbin. It's like basically, like you know who like uh, Frank Miller is, obviously. Obviously, Richard, yeah. Richard Corbin is like legendary like horror, like horror artist. Like we like we like did a lot of like classic horror stuff with like with pre with creepy. Also worked with. Um, did a lot of stuff with like Marvel and DC. It's like, and also with uh, Mike Mignola in more more recent years. Okay, but yeah, but they, but it's it's fun. It was it was a fun like little visual nod to see them like you know cast these char- these creators as characters in the. Uh, it's like it's like in this like in this one shot as well, and yeah, it's like I, uh, it's like I, it's like, it's like I like this this one shot, and on one hand, it's like it's like I. It does make me like, kind of curious to see, uh, you know, like where they're going to go with these, um, with these, with these characters from here on out. But I, but the thing is, like, you know, I, uh, I, I worry that you know, like, like the last, like the last, this lost day is kind of like the exception, like, like rather than the rule of what's going to go, go, go from here, because, because like a lot, like I said, my issue with like, a lot of this last run and stuff is it's just been really depressing. More than anything else, and while I think that you know, like, hey, seeing this next generation of turtles, you know, protect the city. Okay, well, maybe you've got like a a like a like a framework for like a more you know like uplifting, like less grim like series of stories than what we've got so far. I don't know. It's like I just I just don't know if that's if that's what we can expect from here because overall, it's like I can't say that you know like I've really. Like enjoyed a lot of the stuff they've they've done here. To be honest, it just feels like like it's just too too dark, too grim, not not fun. Like compared to like you know what I want to see from like an initial story. To be honest, okay. But you're but you but you're on board with this, Myron, right? I'm on board with this. Like I, I it, you know, depending depending on. Um, Depending on the story and what's you know what what the what the outcome is supposed to be like, you know I can I can I you know I can I can love it or hate it you know depending on what the goal is here, and it's like you know just just a sidebar not spoil anything if you look at Attack on Titan and we had that conversation, um, um, we had that conversation you know the past couple of weeks I mean you can talk to a lot of fans that say they hate the ending because maybe that's not what they expected. But I thought it was powerful, um, and and the same thing with this storyline, where like yeah, it is a very darker and depressing book if you take away the one shot. But to me, I found it intriguing because it gave me a background on why Michelangelo is the way he is in the Last Ronin. You know, like it, it's 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 kind of difficult. Like to, I mean, I felt the Last Ronin did a good job, kind of like giving us like the setup of his mission and and why he's so battle hardened because obviously he lost all his family members like why wouldn't you want to get revenge but then at the same time like there hat there has to be a little bit more meaning to that and or, or there's got to be some type of motivation behind all that that we didn't get that explanation to in the first book and I feel like this book kind of covered it to where like, oh, damn, like no wonder, no wonder he has, you know, the skill sets that he has. No wonder he keeps seeing like, 
you know, his brothers, like it's not his brother's spirits. It's his, you know, his psyche. Like he knows his, he spent his whole life with his brothers and knows them so well to where, where like he knows what they're going to say. Like it almost feels like, it almost feels like the, the, his brothers are there as spirits because they, they, they discuss and talk to him as if they were there but he knows them so well to where like, oh, I know what Raph is about to say. Oh, Mikey, you suck. Or like, I know what Leo's about to say. Yeah, you didn't do that too well. Or like, I know what Donnie's about to say. Like, yeah, Mike, if you plug this into here, you'll get a better result. Like he knows them so well to where like, it almost feels like they're alive in his mind. And so like, that's the vibe I got, you know, from the background of this, like the background of his story and from this book is that, they were still with him kind of like still kind of guiding him and trading him in a more uh in a more uh i guess harsher harsher way because like why didn't splinter come out and give him more words of wisdom like the wisdom he got from splinter was from his journal but uh he spent most of his life and most of his time with his brothers to where like they were still bickering with each other like they were on the field you know the whole time and so, like, I did find this book a little bit more interesting, despite it being a lot darker and a little bit more depressing, because to me, it just gave me a little bit more of a character development on this new Michelangelo that I'm not accustomed to seeing. That's fair. And the only thing I'll point out, though, is that, you know, like, Attack on Titan, you know, was pretty grim, you know, from the jump. And I, I think that, you know, that kind of helps contribute to, like, it, like, any kind of storytelling it tells in terms of like, you know, things are going to get darker. Well, yeah, that's kind of like how Attack on Titan rolls. And, um, and, I, I, and it is. It's like it was grim from the jump. But then like when you think when you think about the proto prototype, when you think about the prototypical hero, you always feel like, oh, by the end of the series, you know, it's going to they're going to come out on top and everything is happy. And like you kind of think that with the turtles, too, especially like with the vibe we've been kind of brainwashed on with them you know throughout our entire life like you know yeah they're going to go through hard times but at the end of the series they're going to eat pizza and have fun and cowabunga all the way through the sewers on their on their fucking cheapskates but this one yeah it, like this storyline like yeah there's no there's no pizza parties at the end yeah but i guess i guess i guess it would kind of boils down to like in terms of like enjoyment of like the lost years though is that you know it's like I hate I hate to say it's like it's like as simplistic as this, but basically if you were if you were on board with what, what was what was done in the uh in the last Ronin, then yeah, it's like this is gonna be like like more of the same for you. It's like and you're probably gonna like dig that. But Agreed. if you're like if you're like me and you kind of thought that yeah, this was that was kinda like too grim for what you wanted for a turtle story, then yeah, it's like you're you're not gonna like this as much. It's like and I got it. I got to admit, like even though like there's, they've already announced that there's a uh, last run in two uh, miniseries in the offings, like as of like you know February, starting in February of next year. I'm I'm not sure if you'll see it covered here. It's like unless there is um, like real demand, like um, from from the audience, or you know, like if you if if you want to do it, Myron, then you know hit then hit me up, or you know if John, like if you're if you're on board, if you want to like you know dive into this as well let me know too ah sure i can't claim to be at the level you guys are with this but yeah i'm always open to giving my opinion 
So that's cool. Yeah, I, I would definitely check it out because at least for me, like the last Ronin, like I bought the individual issues for because like, you know, I, 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 I consider myself like an old school, like comic book collector where like I, I just love buying the issues like monthly when they came out. But, you know, as I've gotten older, like, you know, finances and responsibility, you know, like Uncle Ben always told me, um, yeah, I couldn't keep up with all that stuff anymore. So being able to buy like trade paperbacks or complete like hardcovers does make it a little bit easier to kind of ingest the entire story. So like when you told me about this, like, yeah, you know, I, I pre-ordered it the day of its release and, you know, came out and I ingested it in like two days. And so it does make it a little bit easier to kind of like keep up with the story. So when they do come out with the next last Ronin and, and, you know, once it comes out on trade paperback or hardcover, yeah, I'd definitely pick it up and give it a shot. Um, you know, because I mean, at least for me, like, I mean, I love, I love the characters that I grew up with, you know, my, my, my Autobots, my turtles, my Spider-Mans and all that stuff. And, you know, we grew up with them in a particular view and a particular way that we perceive them. But if they give me like, a different type of view or a different type of storyline that I'm not accustomed to or never seen them in that way. Like, yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot just to see how interesting they can mix it up. Like I don't really need to see like, you know, uh, uh, the turtles win all the time or Optimus prime win all the time. And one thing that for me as a Spider-Man fan, like one thing that I always grew up loving about Spider-Man versus over like someone like Superman, for instance, like Spider-Man has this power and ability that, you know, he could be a complete asshole with, but he does what's right, you know, for, for, for the people and the, and, and the people he loves over his own ambitions and necessities. Like he, he carries his cross to do what's right for others. And that's, and, and, and sometimes that leads to tragedy and sometimes that leads to, you know, backfires like every now and then he'll have his happy ending, but at least a backfire sometimes. And that's what I saw in this book as well. Like Michelangelo could have easily like kicked it in Hokkaido and, and like chilled in peace. But because of the family beef with the with the Oroku clan and, and you know, his brother's not giving him peace. He had to carry his cross too to finish the mission. And I think that's what I found most compelling as depressing as it was or depressing as it could be. Like it gave me another perspective of a character that I grew up for the past 30 years having a particular vision of. And I'm looking at my turtles in my, you know, cabinet kitchens right now. I got my Michelangelo on his cheapskate. Like, you know, he was the party dude. But this is a type of Michelangelo that I never saw before. Because even, you know, when the last Ronin came out and we had that discussion, and everyone's like, who's the survivor? I'm like, it's got to be Raphael just because, like, just the way he's approaching battle, that's his battle style. He's, he's so bitter and angry that he has to be the last one standing. Exactly. It's like like the whole time, like, you, you, the whole time in the last run and, like, the first issue, like, you know, he gives hints of each turtle to where, like, oh, it's got to be Leonardo. Like, oh, nah, like, he, he demonstrates some Raphael vibes to me here. Uh, to where I think it's Raph. Like, no, I think it's Donatello because he intelligently did this and and it ended up being Michelangelo. This book kind of gives us that reason why, as a viewer, 
we kind of started seeing that or questioning that ourselves because yeah, his brothers are with him in his head. So it's like, it threw us off like, oh yeah, like it couldn't be Michelangelo because we know he's a goofball. It's got to be one of the other three. And the experiences that he went through in his this book, like kind of explains a lot. All right. Well, hey, I'm I'm glad it worked for you, Myron. It's like thank you. It didn't work, didn't really work for me, but you know, it's like I was like, I can't I can't say this was like, you know, this was this was terrible. I mean, misguided in my opinion, yeah, but oh but definitely not terrible. Like I think it was like it still had I like Eastman Waltz. Um, Bishop and Gallant uh, clearly believed in the story they were telling here, and more power to them. But for me, just it just didn't work really. All righty then. Hey, you know what you're going to be talking about next time? Well, it's like it's either going to be um, following up on something I talked about with Christine last year, and that'll be like I'll bring this up with her, and then when I talk to her next time, or like I may just have to do a proper. Um, Buried Treasures of Manga um, by podcast this year because like I ducked out on like when I usually do it for, for this year as well. So it'll be a surprise for everyone involved. A surprise. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Myron. Always a pleasure to have you. Definitely. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. This was a good discussion. All right. Catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Click. All right. Later, everyone. Later. <laughs>